Need a faith boost? You're in the right place. Faith for Her is your place to come for faith-building encouragement and scriptural truths that you can apply to your everyday life. Whether you are one that opens your Bible and struggles to understand, or one who reads the Word every day and is just unsure how to apply it to your everyday life, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Katie Wynn. I've been teaching Bible studies to large groups of women for over five years, and I am passionate about building women up in their faith through biblical literacy. Teaching God's Word and encouraging women in their faith is my ministry, but I also work for a marketing agency and homeschool my littles. I believe that faith can be applied to all areas of our lives, and I want to help you do just that. Get ready for some hope that can only be found in Jesus. It's time for a faith boost. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the last episode of season one, which is sort of funny because I never really had a solid plan of what season one was going to look like. I stepped out in obedience when God said start a podcast. And so this season has really been my inaugural season of stepping into this podcast space in this big podcast universe um, and adding my voice to the conversation of the church. And it has been a difficult season for me. You guys have listened and I've shared some of the um, transitions and church hurt that I've experienced in this season of my life. Um, And to me, transparency is the most important thing that we can have with each other. And that's why I share my story and my strugglings and my grapplings and my prayers and my talking to Jesus and my journey of him carrying me from a point of deep pain to a point of healing. And let me tell you, this has been almost a year almost a year journey for me, which is very frustrating to a woman that is a doer. I like to be in go mode. I like to get things done. God has gifted me with the ability to see what needs to be accomplished and set a plan to put it in place. But what I learned in this season is when it comes to healing, you can't do that. Healing is something that has to happen organically. And it happens in pieces. And I am ever so grateful for this last year and the work that God has done in my heart. Um, And so this episode is really going to close that loop. And I'm going to talk about uh, something near and dear to my heart, which is the church. And um, I think I've mentioned in another episode that when God called me to serve in the church in a big way um, about nine years ago, I heard his resounding voice just as clearly as the day I heard him call me to the altar and recommit my life to him. Um, I was driving in the car at this time, and I heard him say, help the church be the church. And I didn't understand what that meant, but I knew that it was significant. And at that time, he also gave me John 13, 35, which is, they will know me by your love for one another. And so my heart and how I have served is 
always making sure that the love of Christ shines first to my fullest capability with the help of the Holy Spirit. I don't get it right every time, but God is really impressed on my heart that if we are not loving each other well, other people are not going to want to join the church. Why would they? And if we're not loving each other well, then we're not functioning as Christ designed the church to function. And so we are all supposed to grow up to him, into him as the head. And if we are not all growing up into Christ, as we do this walk together, we are not going to be an effective church in drawing others to Jesus. And so today what I want to do is close the loop on my season of church hurt. And if I had a title for today, it would be called uh, Reconciling Church Hurt. And so today I'm speaking uh, from my experience, but I want to speak to the hearts of those who have maybe been hurt by the church. And if you have felt, you know, overlooked or pushed aside or underappreciated, um, if somebody has uh, said mean or derogatory things to you that was in leadership over you in the church. Um, if you've suffered from any type of you know spiritual abuse, and and it could be something big or it could be something small, but it's something that you're holding onto and holding against the church. I pray that today you will be able to release that. And we're going to look at it through the lens of scripture because that is the only way to live our lives. That is the only way to truly follow Jesus. So let me say this to you first before we dig into scripture. One, it's okay to say the church hurt me. Two, it does not mean you don't respect or love the church to admit that how they had done business or how they had led you hurt you or did not have your interest in mind. Three, it's okay to bring to light that programming is quenching the work of the spirit. Four, it's okay to ask questions of authority in the church. Five, it's okay to draw boundaries if your feelings are being dismissed or people are raising their voice to shut yours down. If you are seen as a body to serve instead of a child of God to be loved, or if you are being treated, how you're being treated does not align with how scripture says the church should behave. And finally, if someone over you is in a stage in their sanctification that they cannot love you well or value you well as Christ does, allow God to move you. But you need to heal. Hear me on this because this journey of healing I went through in the last year was long and laborious. And it took me like an onion peeling away the layers. And I had to examine, okay, what were just the the things that people said or did that hurt me? Okay, now why exactly did that hurt me? Okay, what in my past has surfaced because of those things? What needs to be healed in my past so that I can heal in my present so I can walk into my future? And so healing is a process, friends. And God doesn't promise that we're never going to get hurt, but his plan for those who love him is to walk in wholeness. So don't get stuck in your hurt. We can't walk in wholeness until we heal. 
And we cannot walk as an effective church unless healing is embraced in the church family. And the only way to embrace healing is to acknowledge when we hurt one another. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that the people in the church are perfect and they're never going to hurt each other. In fact, if we go through and read the epistles, it's letter after letter after letter telling the church, this is how you love each other well. This is how you should be behaving as a church family. Uh, This is how you should uh, be seeking God in your spirit to give you wisdom and guidance as you're in part of a church family. And so we have a whole New Testament full of instruction on how to be the church and how to do it well. If we were already perfect, we wouldn't need that instruction. And the very fact that we want to hold on to because we're a church, we're perfect, is really to deny our need for Christ. He died because we aren't perfect. And so we don't need to behave as a church like we are perfect people. We need to walk in humility every day, no matter what level of leadership we're in, seeking Jesus and acknowledging that he is the only perfect one and that we need him constantly. So what do you do about your church hurt? Well, here's what I did. I allowed Christ to heal my heart. And to give me his. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. That is a very familiar verse that we quote quite a bit. But when you sit with that verse and you have been crushed in your spirit, it becomes this whole new awakening of how near God is. I can tell you in this season that as I brought him every hurt, every pain, every God I thought I was over this, why can't I move forward? Uh, He was with me in it. He never left my side. He was constantly showing me a glimpse of his presence through other people in my life, showing me that he saw me through the scripture that he was leading me to as I opened up my Bible. So he will be near to you. Allow that time and space for God to heal your heart. Don't rush it. Next, and this was a hard one for me that I asked for a lot of help with. Um, But right after this uh, original church hurt that I experienced, God led me me to Hebrews. And it was uh, a reminder to me not to let a root of bitterness take root in my heart. And so I'm going to read a different verse to you actually in Ephesians that is an instruction Um, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. This is one of those instructions that we get in the Bible that doesn't have a caveat. It doesn't say, unless they hurt you. No, it says as a church family, we are to strive with all that we are to not be bitter towards each other, to not seek wrath, to not take out anger, not to slander each other, not have malice towards one another, that we are to be kind and compassionate and forgiving. And we are doing this not because the 
other person or the other people that hurt you are good. Not because what they did to you is okay, but because what Christ did for you on the cross was enough to cover their sins. Because he forgave you in the immensity of your sin, we are to take that model and forgive others. We don't do it because it feels good. We don't do it because they're justified and we're not when it comes to what happened. We do it because that's what Christ did for us. Now that I've said that, though, let me say this. That does not, that verse does not tell us sweep everything under the carpet. Because how can we not be bitter? How can we not be angry? How can we not uh, want wrath on another person who has hurt us unless we seek some sort of reconciliation? We as a body of Christ should be constantly reaching across the table to one another whenever there is a misunderstanding or a hurt to say, I am sorry. I, I didn't know. I didn't mean to. I did know. I did mean to. And I'm sorry. And how do we fix this and be in unity with one another as Christ calls us to do as the church body? Confronting sin with a heart for reconciliation is actually a command in the Bible. We were commanded by Jesus to confront sins against one another. And you'll read this in Luke 17, 3. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. So just as Christ calls us to forgive one another, he also calls us to repent towards one another when we hurt each other. And so if you ever feel like you should not be able to confront other people's sin, that you're just supposed to uh, take it and bear it and move on when you get hurt, that's not biblical, friends. That's not how we build up a a strong church family. We build up a strong church family by loving well and by reconciling the hurts that we do against one another. I also want to read a few more verses that go along this same uh, stream. And one of them, um, it's Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I'm actually going to stop right there, verses 1 and 2, because if you break that down in context of reconciliation, what does that look like? If someone's caught in sin, let's say somebody hurt you, and they did it on purpose, or they did it with malice. If you live by the Spirit, and that's a brother or sister in Christ, you are called to go to them and gently restore them. Now, Christ does the work of total restoration, but our goal should always be reconciliation in the body of Christ. But it says, watch yourself so that you are not tempted. What does that mean? That means if you approach that person and they are spewing anger and wrath at you, that you are not going to return with that same anger and wrath, but you are going to return love to the best of your ability. In Galatians 4, it says each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. In verse 5, for each one should carry their own load. 
we must test our own hearts when we are hurt. We must test our own hearts and realize that we are not perfect either, that we have our own burdens that we carry, that we have our own sins that we tend to go back to, um, that we need to focus on ourselves more than we focus on fixing other people. So reconciliation is not fixing. Reconciliation is approaching somebody and saying, how can we do this better next time? Or I want to bring this to light because maybe you didn't realize the impact that this had. It's approaching someone in love with the goal of getting along together. And God promises refreshing when you reconcile. I love this verse in Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I am in a season of refreshing. Finally, finally, you guys, finally in a season of refreshing. And that couldn't come until I got rid of the bitterness, got rid of the anger, got rid of the, well, it should have been this way, or they should have acted this way, or they should have apologized, or they should have done it differently. I had to let go of all of those things, all of that sin in my heart that was judgment. It was judgment. And I had to repent that I didn't want to forgive people. But once I did, I experienced this lightness in spirit, this refreshing of my soul. I want to add that during this season, there was uh, a lot of spiritual warfare that I was facing. And I would say every time, I was going to say almost, but I would say every time that someone is experiencing church hurt, that is spiritual warfare. Because what does Satan want more than anything else? To destroy the church, the followers of Christ. Number one goal. That's his number one goal. So if he can cause dissension in the church between members, then he's one. And I had to fight against that spiritual warfare that not only was causing dissension in the church, but was also causing dissension in my spirit. And so I was experiencing things that I hadn't experienced before. So I'd experienced, you know, depression. I was feeling these uh, trauma emotions um, and reactions, even physically in my body. And I had to pray against those and have people pray over me to regain my confidence in what God has called me to. I'd never lost my faith through the whole process. I'd never lost my love for Christ through this whole process. But Satan was winning in the area that he had knocked me down to start believing that God had not called me to what he had called me to do or that God had not really gifted me in the way that I thought God had gifted me. And so I had to overcome that spiritual warfare. All right, so I want to close today with this because God has a plan and his plan is church unity. While we're on this earth, our job as Christ followers is to build up the church. And I love Paul. Paul, uh, such a father of the faith, (laughs) and he said it like it was, 
that Paul had such a heart for the church. He spends his whole Christian life encouraging the church to be unified in Christ. And he wrote most of the New Testament. There is no mistake in that. He goes to great lengths to compel all of the churches he visits to live in unity. And I just want to read to you a few examples. To Ephesians, uh, in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, he says to the church of Ephesus, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's unity. That's what he is calling the church to be, to remind them we are all one in Christ. And to the church of Romans in Romans 14, 19, he says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. To the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Those are just a few examples of where Paul really contended for church unity in the New Testament. But if we really want to look for words of church unity and instruction, we can look to the words of Jesus. And I said this first in the very beginning of this podcast, but Jesus says in John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We are identified as followers of Christ by our love. So friends, I hope that you feel inspired today, convicted today, that if you have been drawing away from the church or having resentments or holding things against the church, and whether that's the church you attend or the church as a whole, the the global church, if you've been having feelings of dissension, I want to encourage you to move towards unity. Read scripture on church unity and see how important and how close to God's heart it is for us to be united as Christ followers. And when I can look at that big picture of what God has and know that God is good, faithful, and that his plans are above my plans, his ways are higher than my ways, he knows what he's doing, then I can then look at my situation And say, I will do the hard work of reconciling church hurt so that I am not a part of any dissension in the church of Christ. So that's the end of season one. 
of this podcast. Uh, what I'm going to be doing this summer is taking a little bit more of a rest. I'm still writing that Bible study that I had told you all about. Um, if I didn't tell you the name, I'll drop the teaser now. It's called Dear Church, Love Jesus. And I'm pretty excited about it. It's taking me longer than I thought to write, but God is just speaking and doing some, some things in my heart as I'm writing. So that's okay because I'm getting plenty of sweet time with my Savior um, in my Bible. And uh, spending time with my kiddos and have family visiting a couple times this summer and we'll be taking a trip. And so right now I am finishing out this season of healing with actual resting, uh, resting of my spirit um, and resting of my hands a bit. Um, so I hope that you will enjoy the rest of this summer as well. And I will see you back in the fall for season two of the Faith for Her podcast. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope you walk away with a faith boost that puts a little spring in your step. I'd love to connect with you on social media. I'm on both Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, it's Faith for Her and Instagram. It's Katie Wynn, Faith for Her. I'm on Instagram a little bit more where I share little faith boosters in my squares. I love to write and so you'll find words of encouragement on the regular over there in addition to pictures of my life. So I homeschool my kids. You'll see my family. I love to be in the kitchen and the garden and I love to be outdoors. So I'd love to get to know you a little bit better over on Instagram too. So I'll put links to my social channels down in the show notes and until the next episode, be blessed and be encouraged.